This week's podcast has been interrupted by a six-foot doll with perfect dimensions and big blue eyes. Her name is Barbie. That's right. Long in advance, I had a podcast scheduled titled, Is Female Empowerment a Myth? But in light of a recent blockbuster event, I've learned maybe it's not. Eventually, we'll get to that question of myth or no myth, and you'll hear that regularly scheduled podcast. But first, Barbie, the doll, the myth, the legend. So this week, like millions of other Americans, I saw Barbie, the movie, and I loved it. I laughed, I didn't cry, but I left with a profound respect for the actors, the filmmakers, and the marketing department at Mattel. That's what seeing a movie for me means. More overthinking, less outward weeping, like everybody on TikTok. Flashback to 1987. I was a Barbie girl living in a Barbie world. The dream house, the car, the office, the pool, Barbie goes to work, Barbie has a salon. I have a suitcase of Barbie-sized clothes in every single color. I loved it. Every birthday, Christmas, and missing tooth, I was asking for something Barbie, and I got it. Sorry, I was a little spoiled. And I never got to the Barbie backlash where I found her problematic or felt she was representing me and the ladies in the wrong way. At some point, I passed down the dream house to my niece and boxed up the rest of Goodwill. But my love for Barbie lived on. When I saw whispers of a Barbie movie over a year ago, I figured it was a kid's movie, right? Like a live action Barbie for six or eight year olds. And I probably would not be partaking. It wasn't until I learned Greta Gerwig was attached to the project, maybe this was a layer deeper for Barbie and it was worth looking into. So Greta Gerwig, I'm a huge fan. Frances Ha is one of my favorite movies. It's sort of like an independent movie back from like 2010. If you haven't seen it, Frances Ha is definitely worth the watch. Since then, she's done many things like Lady Bird and Little Women, but Frances Ha is like one of my all-time favorites. So when I saw Greta Gerwig was attached to the movie, I was bought in before even the hype machine of Mattel took off. Speaking of the hype machine, I can't remember the last time I've seen this level of mania for a movie. The Marvels and the DC Comics, they have a hype cycle like this, but this was superhero level proportions for our favorite lady doll. As it came out, people were crying into their TikToks with reactions like, this movie is life-changing. This Barbie changed my life. So I was dying to see it. And let me tell you, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was funny. I have mad respect for Greta Gerwig and what she did with this movie. All the actors absolutely killed it in their performances. Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling were so funny, were so good, were so believable as Barbie and Ken. Like, I literally think they deserve an Oscar. I know a lot of people were probably getting the waterworks around the America Ferrera speech. I loved it. I nodded a lot. I was like, yeah, right on. I love America Ferrera. I thought the speech was good. I was more like laughing than I was crying. I was like, yeah, that's so true. Comedy is the funniest or like jokes and lines are the funniest when they're true. So that's how I felt about it. I guess I just had kind of the opposite response of crying. The one thing I did think about about that is like, it's also just the paradox of being alive. I mean, I'm sure men think so many of those things too. Like they could write their own speech. I think the thing that makes it different is we've been watching men in movies making these gallant speeches like this or these empowered, impassioned speeches that are pumping each other up, fist bumping each other 
since cinema began, since radio began, since cinema began, men have been allowed to make these speeches and we've all been watching their movies and going, oh, great, I'm so inspired and watching men make the impassioned speech about how they feel at the end of the movie. So it's not that men don't have feelings and it's not like they don't have share the same paradoxes of you can be this, but you can't be that. And, you know, you have to be strong for your woman, but you also have to be sensitive. And you, they have their own paradoxes. It's not that they don't. It's that we've been hearing the speech about the trials of being a man and how hard it is. We're giving the microphone and the director's lens to someone like Greta Gerwig, who's giving that speech to America Ferreira, because now we get to hear when it's a woman standing there at the end saying, I get to be funny. You, you can be funny, but not too funny. You can be smart, but not too smart. You can be pretty, but not too, not too pretty. You, can, you have to be thin, but don't obsess over it. And dare, don't you dare talk about being thin. Like all the things she said were so um, powerful. You can be good at sports, but don't be better than the guy. Like I'm, I'm just making all these up that are coming to my head. But they're so true. And you could probably write your own America Ferrera list of things that you've experienced in your own life because um, it's all so personal. It was really powerful. But like I said, I, I didn't cry at it. I laughed at it because it was all just so true. It's like, oh, God, yeah, isn't that true? You can want the one I laughed at too hard was you can be wealthy, but don't ask for more money. I, rather than talking, giving you guys a monologue, for the next however long. I am going to invite my friend uh, Elizabeth McFadden on here for a couple of reasons. She is such a fun overthinker like me. She owns her own branding firm called Novella Brand House. It's novellabrandhouse.com. I'll also link it in the written version. She is really smart, really strategic. So I wanted to talk to her a little bit about the Mattel marketing machine and what she thought about the marketing of Barbie. She also went and saw it last night. I know. So I just want to talk to her from a branding perspective and just a sheer enjoyment perspective, what she thought. So did you have Barbies as like a little kid? Yes. Okay. Oh yes. I have two younger sisters and we played with Barbies all the time. Yeah. Like I already said this in the intro, but, um, I mean, I had everything like our basement was littered pink. I had the dream house. I had the car at the salon. I had everything Barbie. So I'm envious. I never had the dream house. Oh, I sorry. so wanted the dream house, but I had her vacation house. Oh, okay. I can't remember what it was called, but it was something like that. We had the Barbie McDonald's. We had the Barbie Corvette. And I say we, because my sisters yes, and I just shared. Sisters. Yes, I have two sisters. So we just shared everything. I mean, mm -hmm. there were certain Barbies that were mine or Kelly's or Tracy's or something like that. But all the accessories, essentially, we shared. We had all these different cars for them. But then we also were super imaginative. And so I remember, like, the dining room table, the way that was set up, the chairs. It was like a four, you know, four seat whatever four chair table like those were apartments and yeah. so we were super imaginative about like where how barbie's town yeah. is set up we didn't have a lot of the you yeah. know that barbie had my sister is two years older and she didn't give an s about barbie so what? i was really lucky because i got it all to myself but so it's it so much great. fun to play with others yeah i just had to find other playmates but at least she didn't <laughs> steal my dolls. that's true that's yeah. true or you weren't fighting over we also had lots of barbie clothes and i think oh, so when i think so back on it which is funny because 
that's a way that I express my creativity now is through clothes and putting things together in fashion. So growing up, we had tons of Barbie clothes. My mom and my grandma would make Barbie clothes for us. So, and that's the, that was a really fun thing to share. Right. But sometimes we'd fight because yes. they were like really good dresses. Before we get into the movie, which I know you saw last night with your sisters. I did. And, and my mom. And, and the other mom. thing. Oh, all the generation. Yes. And my, actually my youngest son went because he was just so curious about it. Okay. Before that. So from... <laughs> I mean, I wanted to talk to you because I think you're such an overthinker like me, and I oh, love absolutely. that about you. But from a marketing perspective, I thought this movie was crazy from a marketing perspective. Like, starting a year ago, I remember seeing, like, things about Barbie, and I didn't even understand. First of all, I didn't even know Greta Gerwig was attached to it a year ago. Exactly. I was just like, okay, this is a kid's movie, not for me. Exactly. I guess I'm never going right. to see this. but. The marketing machine was like insane. And I heard that Warner Brothers and Mattel had like $145 million marketing budget, which was more than it actually took to make the movie, which makes sense because it was everywhere. I've never seen, I mean, even like Mission Impossible, nothing has had this kind of marketing behind it. I know, which to be honest, I've noticed the same thing. And what I've wondered was, what was it about this movie? That they chose to do that. Mm-hmm. Who made that decision and why? I mean, it wasn't just, nobody just spends that kind of money. And to your point, they're not spending that kind of money or doing that much promotion for, say, Mission Impossible. Right. Which is a total franchise, right? And it's kind of baffling. Um, I'm so glad they did because I feel like so many people are seeing it that would probably not normally see it. And... I love the messaging behind it. Well, it's interesting. I mean, Mattel obviously made this decision in conjunction with Warner Brothers. And it's interesting that they made this decision when it is kind of a risky movie. It wasn't just this. It it wasn't the Mm Scooby-Doo of movies. It was like, well, it's kind of risky. It could have come out and everyone hated it. Right. And they were like, we're going to put $145 million behind this movie. And it may not even work. People may like go to the box office the first week and say everyone says they hate it, and then no one else sees it. So it, it was such a risky move on their part. You're right. And I think what's interesting is that it's not a safe movie. I mean, if you actually go and watch it, it's not a safe movie in no. the terms of in terms of what they are saying, what they're putting out there, especially with what's been going on in our world mm-hmm. the last year or so. Right. As somebody told me today, when they heard Fox News was all over, they're like, oh, I'm, de- I'm, I'm definitely, I'm like, what? No, I, exactly. I had to laugh. But that's what I'm saying is right. like, it wasn't this just safe, you know? And so people could have really, gosh, been offended or come out and railed against it. I think that when I, I mean, I, as I was sitting there watching it, I just felt like it's funny because it's true Mm -hmm. and it made me cry because it's true i mean that whole Mm -hmm. monologue part american Frizz character does yeah when she's rallying the troops right i mean i was kind of speechless sitting there and it just was like yeah well we talked about that liz and i talked about this yesterday you're a crier yeah i am not so how many times did you cry oh like three different times three different times mm-hmm. where were the points that you cried so the very first part what time i cried was when she's sitting there 
she first gets into the real world. Well, mm-hmm. not first, but she's there for a little bit, and she's in that pink Western outfit, and Ken's yes. gone off to do whatever, and she's feeling emotion for the first time. Mm-hmm. And she's seen all these different people in the park having these moments. Yeah. And so that was emotional for me. Um, I can't even really tell you why, but it just was. And then the part where you're, like, seeing the mom and the daughter and kind of that whole thing. And then... Um, like I didn't get emotional. I know about it now. You can tell. Yeah. But like the part at the end where Ruth Handler, but where she's saying like, you know, it's our job as moms mm-hmm. to like let our daughters go on, like to kind of stand here and see where they've come. It's like I get emotional just thinking about that. But I and I've been having. I mean, I'm, I just turned forty nine. It was just my birthday, and I've in the last few years I've really seen where like. I am a Gen Xer mm-hmm. compared to millennials and Gen Z. I mean, even our team here at Novella, we have Gen Zers and we have millennials. And then my kids are Gen Z. So I see where, like, my generation doesn't feel so young anymore. Oh, and yeah. I, right? And oh, I yeah. see I'm where. I'm Yeah, so we're in the same. Yeah, we're in that same generation. And even though I still think of myself as, like, 27 in my head. Always. Right, I'm real. I mean, I know that I'm not that, but um, I'm realizing now that that a new generation is, t- is taking over and has taken over as mm-hmm. far as women go, and I've seen where, um, like my grandma, um, she was a Rosie the Riveter. Oh my gosh, love it! Like she was like kind of the original career woman mm-hmm. back when it was not cool. I mean, my mom tells stories about how, you know, she's like, yeah, I mean, grandma worked, but like. That wasn't okay then. What did she do? She was a secretary. Or I don't know if her official title was secretary, but she basically worked in an office. She worked at the courthouse. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, you know, and then, um, and then fast forward my mom, you know, and so she stayed home and then she worked outside the home. I always call her like this quiet feminist because again, there's three girls, I don't have any brothers, and she always even though she wasn't this like raw, raw feminist woman, but she raised us to be very strong, mm-hmm. very strong. So here I am as a business owner doing things that as a business owner, as a woman, a, a woman business owner that, you know, people in my mom's generation couldn't do, didn't do. It wasn't okay to do. And I see now where I've pushed it so far but I see where the next generation is taking it even farther. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird, I've been having kind of that moment. And then in the movie, it really speaks to that. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you get that too? Yeah. The part that you're talking about, I, I went with my sister, my niece, my niece's boyfriend and my nephew. I looked at my sister and she must not have been paying attention because she wasn't crying and she's really emotional. And my niece is getting ready to go to ASU for college. Yeah. And she has been having the toughest time with it. And I mean, I'm having a tough time with it, too, because I love my niece so much. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this whole thing about the daughter pulling away. And she really feels, you know, like Marley's pulling away, establishing her. I mean, she's had her own identity for a long time. She's 18. But, like, it's really like Marley is like, I am ready to be an adult. I am packing my bags. I am leaving. And my sister's like, And so I just was like, she has to be crying. She must not have been paying attention because she would have been a mess. Yeah. But, yeah, I really felt that. I thought that was a really 
interesting, strong message too. Yes. And I said the same thing in my little intro about the America Ferrera speech was like, I was laughing during that because comedy is the most poignant when it's true. Right. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Like it was just so, everything was so true. The other thing I said about that um, or thought about it too was like, obviously some detractors of, of the film or whatever were like, Barbie hates men. And I'm like, well, you know what? I just love, re- recently really loved the movie Air with yes, um, that was great Matt Damon and all of them. And it's such Air is such a like 1990s movie in a right. lot of ways. And in that movie, the men get the big speech at the end. The men always we've been watching movies mm-hmm. since the 80s, since the 90s, since a man grabbed a camera, where the men get the big speech at the end, and they get to say all the things they want to say about how they feel and how hard it is and how hard they've worked and how they built the company and how they did this and not taking away from that because they have a real lived experience too and all the hard things it is about being a man but we've just never gotten to hear a woman say it and it's so powerful to see yourself reflected which is what you know we've all been learning the last few years but it's not that you know we deny a man saying it or anything it's just that we've heard the story so many times we'll continue to hear it we just heard it in air we heard the story of these men building a company and it's i loved that movie i thought it was great and i'm sure we'll hear more but it's so great to hear the woman's story too. Right. You know? I mean, I was thinking about the whole Roe v. Wade and the Supreme Court and what happened, and I felt like that was a whole thing on that. Like, hey, you've got to stay vigilant, and just because you have called the power or the ability to do things, somebody, you know, if you're not watching, Mm -hmm. somebody will come right along and take that away. Yeah. And that's true in anything in life. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, when you build a business, you can't just get to a point where you're like, okay, great. I've like, I'm successful and I'm doing awesome and check out. I mean, it's a, you're constantly having to keep watch because somebody will come along and, and, you know, knock you off your pedestal. I thought there was like a really subtle joke that I wasn't sure how you were supposed to take it, but I still thought it was funny. At the very end, Helen Mirren, the narrator, which I thought was such a great choice, says, um, Barbie Land eventually, you know, gave up some of its power and men took the position where they had as much power as women have in the real world. And it's like, yes. what, what exactly does that mean? Is that supposed to mean not a lot? Is that supposed to mean it was equal? Because probably not. Like, I thought that was like a funny, a funny little joke. It was, but yet there was, there were so, that's why it was so layered. Yeah. I would, I would. I want to go back and watch that movie again. Not too. like right away, but I want to come back to it in a little bit and watch it again. Mm-hmm. And um, no, I mean, I, I thought that was really, I picked up on that too. And I feel like it was, you know, when they said, oh, you know, and, and they can have a spot on the Supreme Court too. Ooh, it just, just, it all felt like token. To- yeah, yeah, exactly. Or you can have one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what did your son think about it, or did he get have a chance to give you a reaction? So we didn't really, I feel like, too, he was kind of processing it, too. Mm-hmm. He really liked it, and he's 14, and he has had some friends that have seen it, like girlfriends. And so they had, it was just funny because he's clearly heard them talk about it. And so I think that's kind of what interested him in going because they were like, it's about feminism. And so it was you know, that is interesting, right? Yeah. Just to hear what his friends are saying about it. 
he really liked it, and um, but I haven't really dived more into yeah that with him yet. I asked my nephew, he's 15, and he said, well, I really liked it, but I also just think Margot Robbie's really hot. And I was like, okay, good. Well, step in the right direction. (laughs) And what I think is, but what I think is cool is that you don't leave the movie hating on Barbie. No. And I've seen some people online and social say things like, oh, you know, I'm not going to see this movie. My mom didn't let me play with this doll because of X, Y, Z, and... I get all that, but that's actually not what the movie's about. No. At all. If anything, it's... You love Barbie. Yeah. So, I also feel like you don't leave hating on Ken. I mean, Ryan Gosling is the standout of that movie. I'm obsessed (laughs) right now. I mean, I've always... Oh my God, he was awesome. Everyone loves him. First of all, here's the the casting that I think is so smart. They chose someone that everyone loves. I mean, who doesn't love Ryan Gosling? Right. Second of all, his comedic timing, like, I was literally, like, overthinking the casting. I'm like, okay, you could have picked someone who could sing and dance and is a a gorgeous blonde. But the comedic timing is so key to what made that performance hilarious and, like, killed it. Um, But also Margot Robbie. Like, and the thing about Margot Robbie, at one point, she's walking into the cafeteria to meet the tween for the first time. Right. Girl who's the right. tween. Mm-hmm. And another student approaches her and says, don't go over there, she'll tear you apart. She says, no, 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 I'm Barbie, everyone likes me. But that's the thing, everyone likes Margot Robbie. Like Margot, I don't know that everyone likes Margot Robbie, but as right. her character, she's right. so likable, just so endearing and so vulnerable that they chose the cat, they did the casting so well by picking right. a Barbie that's so likable and then a Ken that was so funny that yeah. you walked away loving both of those characters. Right. You know, there was no like divisiveness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I hope they do a Ken the movie. It's Ken. I'm Ken enough. Oh yes, I'm Ken enough. So you could <laughs> they could have I'm Ken enough, and then Barbie in the real world. Yeah. So they could have two more movies in them, and I'm yes. all in for those. Well, and Kate McKinnon. Oh my god! And then a weird Barbie movie. So funny. She was amazing too. Everybody was. Yeah, like, they really were. There, there was not anybody that was a miss. No. Okay, now something. So I don't remember Alan because you know, I didn't he, until they started posting about it on social. Now yeah. they show. Have you seen them show yes. it on social yes. media? Yes. Yes. Right. But my mom totally remembered him because okay. he was. He came out back. That I don't know if it was day. in the sixties or seventies. Whatever. Whenever she, I mean, she was completely aware. So I was sitting next to her. The things that she was laughing at. Mm. Yeah, there was like joke. Well, and that's the thing about the jokes for the generations is like my niece was saying, I didn't get. I don't know why she didn't get this, frankly. And she's so smart, but she's like, I didn't get why that song was so funny that he was singing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's a song from our generation. Right. But did you listen to the words, hon? And so then I started, like, singing the words. I was yeah. singing at her. Yeah. I started singing the words at her. And she goes, oh, God, that's terrible. Like, those words are terrible. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I mean, I feel like anyone could get it because of the words. But it is a song from our generation, you know? Right. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she said she didn't get the sync joke when Alan said, I don't know, if you, it's such a small joke. But he says, um... There's lots of other Allens, like the whole band in sync. And yes. I died yes. laughing. But right. it's just funny how there was jokes for everyone. Oh, gosh. And, like, again, just so layered. So what I think is kind of interesting is what – I mean, I'm not pinning the whole – I'm not pinning a whole movement on a movie. But it brings generations together. So I think for women, 
what are we like, how is this going to affect the way Gen Z thinks about things or millennials yeah. or Gen X or, you know, boomers in terms of, you know, our rights and, mm-hmm. and it's not even our rights, like from a legal standpoint, it's just how we are perceived and what we're going to ask for. I know. And what we say is not okay. Yeah. Everyone's going to give the America Ferrera speech next time they ask for a raise. <laughs> yes. This is an observation that I had, like the movie Greta did a, like a reverse Stepford, you know, at the beginning. Yes. Like, the Kens were in the Stepford wives situation. And usually, I mean, how many times have we seen that plot? Even just recently with Don't Worry Darlings. Did you see that movie? No, I didn't. It's really good. Okay. But that's, it's a Stepford wives. It's a total twist on the Stepford right. wives. So you should see it. It's okay. really good. But we always see that storyline, you know? And it's like this reverse Stepford where the Kens realize <laughs> That they're in a Stepford situation. Yeah. And that they don't have any power and they need to take back their power. And we right. always see women in that situation. So it's really, it's really funny to, um, or poignant or funny or, you know, pointed to see men in that situation. Well, and I think it tells the story and the message in a different way. You know, sometimes, and this goes for marketing and advertising too, right? If you keep telling the story, from the same perspective or in the same way, same way, people stop listening Mm -hmm. or they automatically kind of say either they stop listening because they're like, I've heard this before. Yeah. Or they're like, well, that that's said all the time, you know, and they, and and their defenses go up. Mm -hmm. So you're telling the same sort of message, but you're telling it from a different point of view. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is really interesting. It just makes people, understand what that looks like yeah not just it's not just women mm-hmm. you know it probably happens to us more but um in general you know like minorities or whomever right in any kind of situation you know where your your power is taken away or where you're not given or allowed any sort of power what that can look like and Again, kind of going back to, you know, your nephew, my son, that saw that. Men never see that. Yes. Men, boys, whatever, never see that. That's never shown. I I can't even think of another story or movie where it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't done in a dark way. Like no. a, okay, that's the, the thing. It wasn't so the juxtaposition of how light that movie is. Yeah. Right. It wasn't done in this dark, scary way or palatable, I guess, for people to kind of see. But yeah, you know, what that what that looks like when it's somebody else without power. Yeah. yeah. You can go so deep with this movie, right? I, I'm almost I floored. I'm kind of floored and in awe of Greta. For putting all of this together. And I think what was, what's also interesting is how, again, when you think about what just happened a year ago with the Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade, how be, earlier than that was she working on this right. movie? And how did that affect this? Mm-hmm. I saw a clip of Will Ferrell saying, they were like, what was your first reaction? He goes, my first reaction reading the script was, Mattel has not seen this, has <laughs> have they? There's no way they blessed <laughs> Absolutely. So like, kudos to them for taking this risk. I mean, I can't even say big enough kudos to her for writing it but so many people took a risk in making it and it's it's so good i i love it so much so i'm we're gonna pivot a little bit okay and we're gonna pivot away from 
I was going to do before I ever saw the Barbie movie before thing that's called Is Female Empowerment a Myth? And I'll okay. tell you what it's based okay. on. I saw, and maybe you saw the same thing because you're such a LinkedIner, mm-hmm. but I saw a post on LinkedIn that said, someone posted, I didn't even know her, someone okay. commented, but that's how I saw it, that said, women need to stop talking about empowering women and actually empower women. Women I've met in the workplace don't support one another, backstab, and do not promote women when given a chance. And I commented on the post and said, I've had two creative directors my entire career, which is not a lot, mm-hmm. not a lot to have two female creative directors your right. entire career, and they were both fantastic. Um, so I, I haven't really found that to be true. Like mm-hmm. I, this is that's kind of what I say in this is like I feel like I get along well with women. I feel like women are always really supportive. I don't really find that to be true. And so the comment section lit up, not because of mine, because of this post. And some people were saying, yes, I'm so glad someone said this. This is so true. And some people were kind of saying what I said. Some people were like, eh, I don't think that's true. And don't put that out there. Like it was a very divisive kind of post that this woman said. So as you, a female-owned business who has a lot of females that work with you and for you, a lot of female clients. Do you have thought about, is women empowerment a myth? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts about that, but I'll boil it down. Okay. (laughs) So, again, I think because of my age, I was, um, just quickly say, so because of my age and also because I started my career in 1996 and then I started my first company, which later then became Novella, 17 years ago, so that was 2006. And I think that I definitely saw a change. Mm -hmm. So there were definitely a lot of women that were super supportive. And in fact, one of my um, bosses that I had at VR, who she's still a mentor to me, and I, she's just fantastic and still so supportive of me. But then I also had female bosses who were not so. And definitely it was kind of this weird competition, even though it shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Because for so long, it was, I got this spot at the table and I'm not going to let anybody else steal my spot. Exactly. When really all they needed to do was just move over and make room. Mm-hmm. Okay, bring more people up. But I, I have seen, I've seen that shift. So like when I when I think about when I first started my company and I had two little kids, I had a toddler and a newborn, which nobody should start a company when they have that, that was crazy. Other people told me, they're like, you know, not that I was out there talking about my kids all the time, but they're like, mm, just tuck that down. Like you don't really need to talk about that. Somebody wants to talk nobody wants to see you pull up with your car seats in the back. Oh my god. Like and they they were kind of implying that Was this when you were working or no, as a business? When owner? I just started because I when I I didn't have kids when I was working. Okay. So as a business owner. As a business owner. And basically the the implication Mm -hmm. was if they see that you have kids or have a husband, um, then you probably don't have all the time to devote to your business. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, nobody says that to a man. Yes. Ever. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was in a situation where I was interviewing for a position in like a cohort and this woman who uh, was a prominent KC woman, like career person, had really done a lot of things, said to me, she's like, I know your husband, and, um, you know, he's really busy and travels a lot. You know, are you sure you're going to be able to do this? I mean, 
they would never say that to my yeah. husband. Like, no. I know your wife owns and a business, yeah. you know, and you know, you're both really busy. Will you have time for this? Like those kinds of things. But again, it was said by this older woman. So I've seen that shift. I see now, and even when I got into this, when I started my company in this city, there were other companies um, owned by women that were not very friendly to me, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think it was a competition thing. But that has certainly changed. And now I'm really good friends with other female agency owners. Yes. Right. You know that that because we feel like, you know, yeah, we're competitors, but we can support each other and we should be because nobody else is going to. Mm-hmm. And back to my mom, I remember one of the things that she said to me, and it was probably when I was like a teenager, you know, she always gave me all this great wisdom when we were driving around in the car, but she said other women should not, you know, be horrible to other women. She's like, that's what men do. Okay. Yeah. So we should not do that to each other. Mm-hmm. And I, that always just stuck with me. And so I've always tried to be supportive of other women. And now that I'm in a spot to help other women entrepreneurs, I mean, if any woman entrepreneur reaches out to me and says, hey, can I just pick your brain? Can we talk? I'd love to have coffee. I make time. Yes. Because I feel like it's my duty. So many other people helped me. But we need, again, we need to help each other up. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like it's not a myth. I feel like it's there. I feel like it's getting better. But there's sometimes still that sense of, you know, well, I got the seat at the table and it's the only seat at the table. So yeah. I'm not going to help somebody else out. We can, if we all do well, we can, we all do better. Yeah. Tell me why people come to you at Novella. Sometimes they do come to us because we're women owned and not mm-hmm. because they're necessarily seeking that. I mean, we are certified. So sometimes they do need that. They need to check that box because of government work they're doing or a grant or something like that. But a lot of times companies want to work with companies that are women-owned. They want to support that, which I think is amazing. But aside from that, really why people come to us is we're very hands-on. We're a branding-focused, full-service ad agency. Not a lot of agencies are like that, full-service agencies. And we take a pride in our work that I think is beyond just kind of what you should do. Mm-hmm. And so people want that, that high level thought, that high level strategy, good, creative, mm-hmm. inspiring, creative, thoughtful, very like deep thinkers. Right. And we really immerse ourselves in our clients and because we're a boutique agency, we can do that. We have that luxury strategic thinking, somebody that's really invested with them and in, in what they're doing, excited about it, and good creative. Yeah. Yeah. That's gonna they're sell great. for them. <laughs> yeah, they're great. I work with Novella a lot and I love their process and they're they're great overthinkers about your brand. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'll, I'll, I'll talk Barbie with A special thanks to Liz McFadden for overthinking with me today. I just want to say on the note of women's empowerment, Liz is one of those special women who really does lift um, up other women working with her. She is the boss and she doesn't need to be the smartest person in the room. She often is, I will say, but she's always open to listening to other people. I 
other people's ideas. She really genuinely wants to know what everybody thinks from the youngest person in the room to the most seasoned person in the room. She does not have an ego about her and she's fabulous to work with. So whether you're thinking of working with Liz or from a client perspective, she's just a genuine, thoughtful, wonderful person. I really enjoy working with her and having her as a friend. So thank you so much to Liz and thank you so much for overthinking with me this week. And until next time, wishing you all good thoughts.